forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. You know, we're in the heart of the summer months, which to horse players means nothing but good races from coast to coast. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, John Engelhart. want to thank our friends at Woodbine Entertainment for sponsoring the show. Let me give you a heads up on our guest. Our first guest, a first-time starter. His name is Andrew Champagne. Now, he gave me the short version of his bio. I'm going to have to go back and get the long one. This guy's done a lot in racing for a young man. Uh, he was you know, mesmerized at an early age with media production, and then he enrolled in Ithaca College where he majored in television radio and doubled in sports studies and speech communications, something I should probably take. So uh, he had an internship at the Olympics back in 2010. Uh, then he worked uh, at Siena College before moving up to the Saratogian, where he served his year and a half as a multimedia sports journalist. And in 2013, went out West Coast, where we'll be later in the show, for HRTV. And then when they were acquired by TVG, uh, he, he kind of established himself as one of the premier published horse racing handicappers. And uh, in 2017, he left TVG for the DRF. We've got a lot of initials going on with this Andrew Champagne. But uh, he continued to be freelance as a handicapper for the Saratogian. Togian and his 128 winners at the 2017 meet led all public handicappers across the media. I'm going to have to tap on him. Um, I believe I'm the guest handicapper for closing day uh, up there with my buddy uh, Pon. Tom Law and the Saratoga Special. So that's Andrew Champagne. We'll learn more about him in about 10 minutes. And then at the bottom of the hour, multi-national award-winning writer, Jay Privman, who's always been kind enough to say yes when I ask if he'll be on the show. I always save the big West Coast races uh, to have Jay on, and doesn't get any bigger during the summer than the TVG Pacific Classic, grade one, million dollars up for grabs. He wrote a really nice article on Accelerate today. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we got the Delmar Oaks. Ooh, that baby's wide open. I'll see if... Uh, Jay Privman can't help us with that. And then also earlier on the card is the Del Mar Handicap. One and three ace on the turf, a unique distance, and only a couple have won at that distance. So uh, Andrew Champagne and Jay Privman, they'll be coming up here in the next few minutes. Before that, again, I want to thank our friends at Woodbine for sponsoring us. I want to tell you, because of the bevy of racing we have on Coast to Coast, you want to pull down the easy win forms. In addition to the advice we're going to get from our professional handicappers this evening, recent hits, winningponies.com. That's where you go to get them. They don't cost that much, but you can get a whole lot of benefit. Uh, talking about Saratoga, uh, just, uh, oh, I think it was six days ago, we had a $1 pick four that paid $1,389. Now, four days ago at Fort Erie, cute little track if you ever get the chance to go there, uh, $1 Super Key paid over $1,000. 
Delaware Parks up and running. Five days ago, a 50-cent pick four returned $1,201. Let's not our, forget our friends at Old West Virginia. Just three days ago, $1 super key, $1,569. So the easy win forms on winningponies.com. Let's catch up with some national news now. Uh, genuine reward. Anybody remember that name? One of the rare sons of genuine risk was euthanized at old friends at the age of 25. As a matter of fact, uh, she only had two live offspring by the Hall of Famer. And uh, that's happened to a lot of those really great fillies. Maybe it's because they're kind of like tomboys. I'm not sure. Uh, But uh, he lived out his life uh, at retirement, at the great retirement uh, place, old friends. I tell you about that all the time. Now, genuine reward uh, never did race because of uh, numerous health problems, but he did go to stud. Obviously, didn't set the world on fire, and uh, they he actually stood as a polo stallion with the American Polo Horse Association uh, at one time. Now he's a son of Rahi. Uh, he was retired and discovered for sale. By Laura Hillenbrand. You remember her, don't you? She wrote Seabiscuit. And uh, she found this horse, unbelievably, that he was offered for sale. Um, and she sponsored his placement at Old Friends. Of course, Genuine Risk was campaigned by the Firestones as one of three fillies to win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, that was 1980. When she won it, yes, I was there, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, so she just had difficulty carrying foals, but uh, a genuine reward who obviously never reproduced uh, his potential pedigree at the track is gone but will not be forgotten. All right. Trying to keep you in the loop on this horse, Winks, ladies and gentlemen. This horse is unbelievable. She's seven years old now, and she can win her 26th consecutive race in the Group 1, I like the name of this race, Winks Stakes. Yes, a stake is already named after her, and she's still running. It's uh, seven furlongs at Ranwick at Sydney. Now, this will be on Saturday. I think it's about 1 o'clock our time. I'll, I'll double-check on that. Uh Somebody thinks Winks is such a sure thing that a record future book bet of approximately $101,000 was placed at odds of 1 to 10 earlier this week on Winks, according to a report in the Daily Telegraph of Australia. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, 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 and, and I did find in my notes here, yes, it's 1 o'clock Eastern the Winx stakes will be run if you get that on some outlet where you are. And uh, you know, this is a stake is designed as a start of the Australian spring campaign for them. Remember, they're in another hemisphere, and uh, she's going to go for an unprecedented fourth win in the Group 1 coveted Cox Plate at Moon Valley. So uh, this will be very interesting. Uh, history uh, well could be made. She's unbelievable. I'm surprised she hasn't been retired, gone to stud, but she just likes winning races. Here's a solid guy. Eddie Martin Jr., veteran jockey, won the 4,000th race of his career at Rotama Park. Uh, Eddie, Eddie has, has been around, uh, raced on every level, uh, but uh, he, he is one hard-knocking guy. It's hard to believe. I remember when he was a kid. He's 55 now, one of those New Orleans-born jocks. Uh, he's had some big wins, uh, especially at the fairgrounds, his hometown track. Won the Louisiana Derby at 109-1 to aboard Hero of 
order. Uh, he also won numerous other graded stakes races, uh, the 2008 San Clemente, the uh, Darley Alcibiades aboard She Says It's Best at Keeneland. I got to the track late that day, walked in, and they were loading him in the gate, and I did get a chance to get a shot of him coming down the stretch on She Says It's Best, who her last start before that was aboard a race called the bassinet stakes so martin he goes back hard knocking he's a son of a horse owner started exercising riders uh exercise rider for his dad uh, who was training uh, he's won several riding titles at the fairgrounds lone star park jefferson downs and how about this beulah park that no longer exists so congratulations to eddie now uh, if you missed uh, uh flavian pratt or alonzo quinones out there on the west coast uh, they both got days uh for uh altering course during some running the race and uh but uh, three days, they can still ride in graded stakes races, so uh, that should not uh, stop him. Now, uh, yeah, a really cool story where uh, Jackie Jose Ortiz uh, bought a farm in Florida, and he's building a farm, and the first resident is going to be Sandy Slough. I think you recall about a week ago, I told you about Sandy Slough uh, winning a graded stakes race. Well, came out of that race pulling up sore, and it looks like... Uh, had a suspensory and it was career ending so that's pretty cool that uh, jose ortiz uh, fixing up a farm and sandy slew is going to have a place to stay all right let's take a look at some of last week's races we had a slew of them my buddy ed meyer helped us out with the saratoga card um the saratoga special well this scratched down and ended up being a four-horse race, sad to say. Uh, Sir Troubadour and Stage Left stayed in their stall. Stage Left was a late scratch. And uh, the winner, Call Paul. Very game. Led most of the way and then started a bumping match with Tight 10, who came in on him, uh, down the lane. And despite that, some guy by the name of Irad Ortiz managed to get him straight. Call Paul, the slight favorite at four to five, got the job done. And uh, in the second spot was number four, tight 10. The, again, they didn't do anything for the bumping because Call Paul pulled away. And in the third spot was spinoff. Again, that was up at Saratoga. So uh, we'll take a look at some of the other races that we looked at. Um, the Adirondack, this is the Phillies, grade two, 200,000. It was Sue's Fortune who got the job done. And who picked Sue's Fortune on winning ponies last week? None other than Ed Meyer. Got the job done, paid $9.00. And 10 cents. Not bad, not bad at all. So uh, let's take a look uh, at the second spot was uh, Virginia Eloise, and third was Guacamole. So uh, that again, promising Phillies, two year olds, the Adirondack. Uh, Then the four star Dave, we said this would be a tough one. Voodoo song going wire to wire. Got the job done. Voodoo Song uh, had a big lead. You should have seen this. It was uh, one of those uh, catch-me-if-you-can type races, and uh, nobody could. It really looked like the, the horse was, was going to get caught, and uh, it, it, did, it didn't happen. And uh, so 
a voodoo song, Jose Lezcano, held on by a neck over a fast-closing Delta Princess. It was closing very hard. And the third spot was Diversadero. Okay, let's take a look now at at Arlington Park. And uh, also, let me check my numbers that I sent my producer here. No, that's the right number that I gave him, so I'll, I'll double check. Um, but anyhow, of course, uh, the Arlington Million. Whew. What can I say, ladies and gentlemen? Chad Brown. Happy birthday, Irad Ortiz. I know Ed Meyer told me, he said, John, watch out for Irad Ortiz over the weekend because he is going to tear it up. It is his birthday, and he is going to have one heck of a weekend. Well, you win a million-dollar race, that's not too bad. And uh, he got the job done aboard Robert Bruce, a Chilean bred horse who now is in the barn of Chad Brown. In the second spot, it was the three, Elmenar, sent away at 7-2. to two. Guess who he's trained by? None other than Chad Brown. And then uh, was close, there was a kind of an argument there for the third place. There was some bumping that was going on, and I do believe that they deeded it to catch and die the Argentinian bread. So uh, that was a look at the legendary Arlington million and uh while we move on there were some other good races at at arlington and one of those being the beverly d how about this chad brown horses finished one two three and five unbelievable finishing one it was the irish bread sister charlie who uh, gave chad brown his fifth beverly d fourth consecutive beverly d and uh you know what can i say this guy's just unbelievable in the second spot was four star crook who's a late runner got the second spot and in the third spot at 47 to 1 it was a french bread theus that scored there so uh uh we're uh, again that was the uh, beverly d and then uh, the grade one secretariat went to carrick a very lightly raced horse keep an eye out for carrick uh johnny v came in when does johnny v ride a 38 to 1 shot well he did in the secretariat and got the job done this horse only making its fourth lifetime start now wins a grade one four hundred thousand dollar race in the second spot was the nine the big horse we we're all talking about analyze it he put in a top effort but it was not good enough and in the third spot was bandua a horse that had been racing in ireland all right that's a look at the national news and the races we handicapped last week we're going to take a break and we come back hopefully we'll be on the line with andrew champagne streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with us here on Winning Ponies, a first-time starter Andrew Champagne. I forget what I was doing one night, cruising the internet, and his name popped up. I read a little bit about his background. I said, this guy would be great to get on the show, so you can be the judge of that, because with us now is Andrew Champagne. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Thanks very much for having me. I, I'm happy to. Well, I, the one thing I, I saw in your, uh, you know, pedigree shall i say is that uh, you, you got a nice a lot of nice upstate new york in you which uh, <laughs> I, I always find to be a, a positive quality now most people when you say you know upstate new york and they're in the racing media immediately think oh that guy went to the newhouse school of communications in syracuse but that's not the case you went to a much nicer place kind of in the middle of the state i believe was ithaca so i'm probably getting ahead of the story andrew champagne Tell us your life story and how it evolved into your like of racing. Sure. Uh, I was born in Kingston, New York, about two hours north of New York City in the Hudson Valley, about an hour and a half south of Saratoga. So when I was growing up, I went to Saratoga every summer, and I grew up in the backyard there every summer. It was, it was fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a better first exposure to the world of horse racing than going to one of the cathedrals of the sport. When I was a kid, my dad took a couple of uh, freelance jobs to make some extra money, and one of the things that he did was serve as a freelance sports writer for a local newspaper in upstate New York called the Register Star, and he would bring me along to games, and that was when the light bulb hit. I was in elementary school at the time, and I went, wait a minute, you're telling me that you get to go to these sporting events for free, write about them talk to some interesting people, and get paid for your work. Yep, that's what I want to do. So I knew right away what I had wanted to do. And as a result of that, I wound up pursuing a career in media production. Uh, you're right, I did go to Ithaca College. I was a television radio major and uh, sports studies and speech comm minor there at the Park School of Communications. I graduated in 2010, and after I spent two years in the athletic communications office at Siena College in Albany, I got hired as the primary racing writer 
at the Saratogian uh, Daily Newspaper in Saratoga Springs, and they're the ones that put out the pink sheet. Even after I left there in October of 2013, I was fortunate enough to be able to stay on as a freelance handicapper. I've been doing that ever since. I moved west in October of 2013 to California. I worked for both HRTV and TVG for a combination of that for three and a half years, and I got hired at the Daily Racing Forum in May of last year. I serve as a web and social media producer for them, and I'm privileged to be able to do what I do. Well, that's great. When you were out west, I'm wondering if you crossed paths with uh, the gentleman that's going to be our next guest. His name's Jay Privman. Did you ever hear of him? He's a co-worker of mine. Yes, I know Jay pretty well. Darn good writer. <laughs> yes, he is. He's a good guy, and he's very uh, classy and smooth when he's on air, uh, the chances he gets to do that. I, I love Jay. I've uh, known him for a couple of decades now, I can actually say. I ran across a picture of the two of us when uh, I had totally black hair and a black beard the other day on the back stretch at Churchill Downs. But I digress. So so you've been coast to coast. You, you've seen both. Uh, but you have to admit that once you get stung with the Saratoga spring water, it's hard to get it out of your veins. Well, especially if you're drinking from the Big Red Spring. This is where I give a shout-out to one of my best friends in all of horse racing, Joe Nevels, who got tricked into drinking from the Big Red Spring like so many upstate New York people have. It's pretty much a rite of passage when you go to Saratoga. Someone will say, oh, go drink from that. That's natural spring water. It's good for you. It might be good for you. It is not good. <laughs> yes. But no, the first time you taste it, it's like, who puts salt in this water? <laughs> yeah, or it's, you know, just oil, whatever. But at any rate, I uh, know Saratoga is a very special place for me for, for any number of reasons. And I am privileged to be able to do what I do, not just for the Daily Racing Forum, but to everybody involved for letting me serve as the featured handicapper for the pink sheet, which I've done for a couple of years. I replaced Nick Kling, who retired a couple of years ago. Those are really big shoes to fill because Nick was one of the best in the business, but hopefully I've done him justice. Well, well, that's great. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, how did you get to know Joe? He's one of my best friends, too. Uh, well, we're both horse racing people, and we're both ridiculous fans of pro wrestling. So it was sort of natural that we wound up uh, getting to talk to one another. And uh, he is one of the all-time good guys in, in our game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad he landed on his feet, too, uh, as the uh, Bloodlines writer for the Pollock Report. I had no doubt he wouldn't. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so... Uh, your your handicapping prowess it has been recorded you know back in 2017 that you had published 128 winners um this is a painting with a broad brush what are your favorite angles well there are a couple in saratoga that are that have proven at least to me to be fairly profitable and one of them showed twice today on the thursday card Lone speed on the inner turf, to me, is one of the best handicapping angles at that track. Uh, just looking at the track diagram, you can see the tight turns and the short stretches. If a good horse gets loose through slow fractions on the inner turf course, chances are that horse is going to be incredibly difficult to catch. We saw that with a couple of horses today. David Aragona from Timeform US and the Daily Racing Form was all over a couple of those horses. He had a monster day today, and that's one of the angles that really pays off if you watch closely. Every once in a while, you see a situation where 
a speed horse gets an unusually easy lead on the turf. We can make of that what we will with regard to the nature of turf racing on the East Coast. But a lot of times at Saratoga on the inner turf, those horses are very, very tough to catch. Well, um, let's uh, put your feet to the fire here. Uh, One of my favorite races is the Alabama Stakes. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I do have a brownie photo of Gamely and Shoemaker winning in 1967. I mean, the the, uh, Phillies that have come out of here are just a who's who. I mean, we're talking about Shoe V, Optimistic Gale. It's in the air open mind, go for one. The list just goes on and on. So to, to, to win this, Blind Luck, who also won the Oaks, Royal Delta in, mo- in recent years, Princess of Silmar, who won the Kentucky Oaks, Songbird, it's just unbelievable. So to, to win this race, you're really stamping yourself as one of the good ones. And uh, the Alabama this year, uh, pretty much, in my opinion, com- came up as a two-horse race. I think Midnight Bizu is the one to watch. But I'll tell you what, I've seen talk view to me in person she is friggin gorgeous and really has hardly done anything wrong except losing to a monomy girl and who hasn't done that besides midnight bizu we're we're in agreement that this hit as a two-horse race I disagree with you with regard to one of the horses. I also like talk Vuk to me on top. There is nothing wrong with chasing the likes of Mia Mischief and Monomoy Girl as she did earlier this year. I thought she ran a sneaky good race in the acorn when she was beaten just two lengths. They stretched her out to two turns in the grade three Indiana Oaks. I realize that's a grade three, and I'm not entirely sure what she was beating that day, but she looked awesome in that race. She went fast early. She went fast late earned a nice buyer speed figure. She's 5-2 to two on the morning line, and she's actually my top pick. I am going to take a stand against Midnight Bisu. I respect her. I respect Steve Asmussen. I respect the fact that Mike Smith comes in to ride. Having said that, it seems as though her maximum distance where she is most effective is a mile and a 16th. Both of her mile and an eighth races have been okay, but at any rate, I think Midnight Bisu... This might be a little bit long for her at a mile and a quarter. And of all of the things that could get Talk Vuv to me beat, I don't think the distance is going to be one of them. I am not as confident in Midnight Bisu's ability to get 10 furlongs. She's by Midnight Loot, who was a very good horse, but a sprinter. The bottom side of the pedigree, there's a little bit of distance there, not a ton. I just think this isn't the trip that she wants. I had thought after the coaching club American Oaks, Maybe they cut her back to seven furlongs or a mile where her late kick could potentially be most effective. They opted to go to the mile and a quarter Alabama, likely because Monomoy Girl and Wonder Gadot aren't running in this race. But I'm going to take a stand against her, and the horse that I actually like behind Talk Viv to me is the other Steve Asmussen. That's number four. She's a Julie. Take out the fairgrounds races, and you're left with a horse that has a much better resume. She romped in the grade three Iowa Oaks last time out, and she's got some tactical speed. Given the way Saratoga can sometimes play on big days, I think she could be in a position to potentially outfinish her stablemate at a much bigger price. Well, Andrew Champagne, uh, real quick, uh, my producers told me I got a minute, but I just want to know who you liked on the undercard in the Lake Placid. Uh, my eye is uh, 
drawn to several horses, obviously Rushing Fall, who won the Breeders' Cup uh, uh, Philly Turf last year. That's always been a strong race, and she's come back and run some pretty decent races. Uh, you, but then you got the, the more experience uh, the way I am with Johnny V riding for Grand Motion. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's an upside if this horse gets odds in the Bill Mott train, Kapla Temptress. Who you like in the Lake Placid? I wish I could be creative, but I think Rushing Fall is going to be very difficult to beat. She was incredibly ranked last time out of Churchill and still only missed by a neck to Toinette, who came with an incredible rush near the end of that race. She wants to rate, and she should be able to do that behind significant form and go noni go, both of whom have shown some early speed. I respect the other runners in this race. This is a good race, and in theory, this shouldn't be a gimme for rushing fall. The horse I picked second is number one the way I am. She hasn't run a bad race this year. She was second in the Belmont Oaks. She ran well that day. Wasn't necessarily helped by Athena not running well in the Beverly D, but this is a talented racehorse, so she would probably be my second selection, but I'm not going to get too cute here. I think it's a straight 6-1 in the Lake Placid. All right, listen, Andrew, I got your number now. You're in trouble. I'm going to call you back. You're really good on air, and I look forward to talking to you again. Have a great weekend up at the spa. Thank you very much, John, and thanks very much for having me. Happy to do it. All right, that was Andrew Champagne, a young up-and-comer. We need more of those guys. He sounds very enthusiastic and certainly uh, knows what he's talking about when it comes to capping the horses up at Saratoga. Well, now we're going to switch gears a little bit and go from a first-time starter to a veteran of winning ponies, and that is none other than multiple award-winning writer Jay Privman, and Jay's got a busy day out at Del Mar. Some fantastic races out there. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and with me now, one of my favorite guests, and I truly mean that. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that he is so gracious uh, with his time here, uh, the, the, the times I reach out to him. And I always try to wait till you know, we're getting to the bigger races on the West Coast, whether it be uh, Santa Anita or Del Mar primarily. And that is one other than multiple award-winning writer. You see him on television. You can read him every day in the daily racing form. Jay Privman, how are you? Good, John. How are you? I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm on the right side of the grass. I'm not in jail. <laughs> so, you know, everything after that's gravy. That's what I've learned in life. You know, those are just the two places you don't want to be. And uh, so I'm okay. I'm okay. So um, how busy are your days these days? I mean, getting ready for a, a, like a weekend card that we're approaching uh, here at Del Mar. Well, yeah. I mean, today was... It's been a pretty busy day. I had to get up early and get out here and interview people for the Saturday. Uh, I'd write the advances for both the Pacific Classic and the Del Mar Oaks. And, you know, you know we're on a 48-hour production schedule. Since the Saturday racing form is available on Friday, it needs to be published or, or you know, go to print on, uh, on Thursday. So today was a pretty busy day in terms of an early morning. And, you know, I'm obviously still at the track. They're actually running the last race right now as we speak. So, uh, and then, you know, tomorrow will be kind of the eye of the storm. And then, and then you come to Saturday, it'll be pretty crazy again. Well, you know, so, so you haven't even left the track since you got there this morning. Oh, no, no, it's, that's kind of, but that's pretty typical this time of year when Delmar's running. I mean, I work a half day shift at 6.30 to 6.30. Now, uh, can I ask, uh, what proximity do you live to Delmar from, you know, your home? It's like a 15-minute drive. I live, I live 11 miles exactly from my parking uh, spot at the track to uh, my driveway. So it's, uh, it's pretty convenient, and it's, it's a nice drive in the morning driving down Pacific Coast Highway. So there's, there's worse places to have to go to work, that's for sure. I'll bet there are. That that's nice, Jay. That that's very nice. Well, uh, coming in, I saw that you you penned. Uh, uh, I don't know if you did it today or yesterday. A, a nice story about uh, Accelerate and how he's looking to join an, an elite club with uh, this specific classic win. I'm not going to get all the particulars, but I'm going to drive our listeners to go over to drf.com and and read the story. Can you give us a little tease? Sure. I mean, that was the story that I wrote this morning, the previous story of the Pacific Classic. And, you know, the, the Pacific Classic itself came into being in 1991 and it then joined, at that point, the Santa Anita Handicap. And at the time, the Hollywood Gold Cup, now the Gold Cup at Santa Anita, but the Hollywood Gold Cup at the time, is the three big races at each respective track for older horses at a mile and a quarter. And in that, all that time, since 1991, there's only been two horses, uh, Lava Man uh, being one of them and Game on Dude the other, who have won all three races in the same year. And that's what Accelerate's going to try and do on Saturday because he's already won the Santa Anita Handicap and the Gold Cup, which is now at Santa Anita. And so if you were to win the Pacific Classic, he'd be only the third horse to win those three races in the same calendar year. Well, I, I always try to put this on my uh, my radar, and obviously I can't fly out to California to see them. But, you know, when I think it's about s- some of the outstanding horses that have won the Pacific Classic, starting with the inaugural, you know, uh, Best Pale beating uh, Twilight Agenda, and then you move on to some – 
horses that really made their mark, I think, on the West Coast for the most part, like uh, Freehouse, a horse that's become a, a uh, dominant sire, uh, Candy Ride with uh, Julie Cronup beating Medaglia Oro. How's that for uh, a, a race for stallions? <laughs> you know, right there. I mean, those two guys are uh, at, at the cream of the crop uh, in, in the bluegrass. And then in, in recent years, again, you mentioned the name Game on Dude. Love that horse. I go visit him down at Old Friends every now and then. But uh, how about Beholder winning the race over the boys, and then there's a horse that won in 2016. People might remember by the name of California Chrome. So, in what we look at historically is kind of a, a short window of history. There's been some amazing horses that have run in this race. Oh, it's been a terrific race uh, over the years, uh, and you know, I, I don't think the field this year is quite up to the level of some of the ones that we've seen in in recent years. But uh, I, I do think. Um, you know, it's it's accelerates become a real top class kind of horse, and uh, you know, last year's sort of considered a miler, and he's now been able to stretch out, and and he's just gotten bigger and stronger as a five year old, and he's just better at a mile and a quarter. So even though the the depth of this race not might not be so good, I mean, there's a real chance for us to maybe look back and and think of accelerate in the at the same level as some of those other horses, if he can finish off the year with a couple of real good efforts in this race, and then if he were to go on and run well in the in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Well, he's not run worse than second since before Christmas, so that's not too bad since every race he's been in has been a grade one or a grade two. So uh, I just love seeing horses that are five you know, uh, that have won over a million, he's closing in on two million, uh, that are full horses, that haven't been shuttled off to stud. And I, I just think it, it's great. I think racing needs more of it. Obviously, the big names, the, your justifies and your accelerate, uh, you know, arrogates, you know, it, it's almost mandatory they'd be retired. But uh, it, I, I just think that's great. And we've got, you know, a couple of nice older, older horses in here uh, to go against them. Now, um, Jay, as far as uh, if you were to handicap this race, and I'm guessing you will, um, outside of Accelerate, I mean, there's some horses here with a lot of upside. I don't know much about this Pavel, but it seems like he's primarily best uh, based on the West Coast, but he had no problem coming in and k- kicking the uh, Kentucky horses' butts and the Stephen Foster. Right. I mean, and that gave him a win and you're in into the – Breeders' Cup Classic by virtue of, of that race. Um, he's kind of stuck on a lot of fourth uh, for, for many of the races that he's, uh, that he's running. Um, and he got drilled in the, the one time he ran in the, at Del Mar, but that was the Breeders' Cup Classic last year against a really good field. So it's hard to really know where he fits. Um, I was surprised he won the Stephen Foster. You know, so maybe he's a better horse now than, than he was at the beginning of the year, but that race is almost like an outlier compared to what you'd seen him do for most of the last year or so. So I'll be interested to see if he can reproduce that race at a track where the one time he ran, he ran poorly, albeit against you know, the best there are, like Gunrunner last year. Well, in the Million Dollar TVG Pacific Classic, uh, we're uh, talking to Jay Priven right now. I, I, the mystery horse, Roman Rosso. 
an Argentinian horse. A lot of times these horses come in after graded stakes wins and have about $80,000 in earnings. But this horse has won multiple grade ones. As you know, those fields are often large and uh, sports 547,000 coming into this race and has been transferred to the Baffert Barn. Have you heard anything about this Roman Rosso? I mean, he's trained right along here. He's trained well. You just you just don't know where he fits. Um, you know, he, he ran his last race was in March, so he's coming off of a long layoff. He's running a mile and a quarter off of that layoff. He's a South American hemisphere, you know, South hem, Southern Hemisphere horse running in the Northern Hemisphere for the first time. There's just a lot of ifs here, but he's got you know a top jockey in Pratt, obviously a top trainer in Baffert, and but I, I mean, he could run. A great race, and he could finish sixth, and neither would surprise me. I just, I just don't know where he fits, John. It's just, it's hard to know what that South American form is. I mean, the race in Uruguay is that that that's usually a cut below what you see in Argentina. Um, so, but it's, you know, he had some good races in Argentina. It's just, it's just hard to get a line. A lot of the horses that he ran against are not horses that have come up here, so you can sort of go, oh, all right, he ran against. Uh, Cougar the Second, or or uh, you know Festine, or or Bayacoa, or you know those horses that we're so familiar with back in the day that came up from South America, and you knew you'd know where he fits. I mean, these horses haven't come up here, so it's just I just don't know. I don't know what to make of them. So, who is the main threat to accelerate? Is it Doctor Door? Doctor Door, you know, came out running uh, early in the year, reeled off uh, three state straight wins, uh, got beat by Accelerate in the uh, Santa Anita Gold Cup, uh, threw an absolute clunker in the Suburban, but it traveled all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast and came back at Del Mar and put in a solid effort in the Grade 2 San Diego. Uh, do you think he has a chance of returning to his winning ways? Yeah, one thing that, that's in his favor is that you know Baffert is very instinctive when it comes to deciding which horses to run, and, and he just kind of trusts his gut. And this horse was very much on the fence, in fact, more on the other side of the fence than inside the fence uh, until his workout on Tuesday morning, the day that entries were due. But he worked so well, Baffert was like, you know, I should just run this horse. Um, he was thinking of running him in, in a slightly easier spot. So that's always encouraging that he liked the way the horse did uh, this week. But he's just sort of been... They haven't been able to get into a good rhythm with him. They ran him back on short rest coming out of the Suburban when they ran him in the San Diego, and he ran into a, into a buzzsaw that day in, in Catalina Cruiser. At least now he's had four weeks since then uh, for, to, to kind of get his sea legs under him and see, and see where he's at. Um, but he was, you know, no match for Accelerate the one time they ran against each other earlier this year. But I can tell you that just sort of based on the way he worked on Tuesday, that gave him the green light to run on Saturday. All right, we're talking with Jay Privman of the Daily Racing Forum concerning the top races at Del Mar this week. We've got a couple more graded stakes races coming up. We're going to uh, tap into Jay to see what he likes about those and learn a little bit more about the field in the Del Mar Oaks since he had to cover that race. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Jay Pribman from the Daily Racing Forum. I alluded to Andrew Champagne earlier because he was out on the West Coast, and he said he knew Jay, and now he works at the Daily Racing Forum. And I don't know if you heard this part, but I I've came across a picture the other day, Jay, of you and me on the backstretch at Churchill Downs, and damn, I look good when I had black hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you even know what year it would have been, what derby? I'll have to check. I, you know, I was wearing a goofy hat back when they were the style, so we'll find out uh, what year that was. I'll, I'll scan it and send it to you. I've got your email. So. That'd be great. Thank you. It, it's a good one. It also shows how short I am standing next to you, but that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Neither of us can change that. But, uh, again, we're talking with Jay Priven of the Daily Racing Forum. He's covering the Del Mar Beat. Great racing this time of year. And... Um, the, uh, the the Del Mar Oaks is coming up. This race goes back uh, to 1957. You know, I remember some of the ones when I started watching out there. And I'm trying to think which ones, uh, you know, shake my thing. I, uh, Heartlight number one, wasn't that owned by the musician? Yeah, Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach. See, I don't remember my birthday, but I remember stuff like that. Uh, how about Flawlessly? She was awesome. Uh, yep. Charlie Whittingham, Arborview Farm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I'm trying to move up to some of the more uh, recent uh, years. Uh, uh, Evening Jewel, certainly I remember her. And uh, I guess uh, Dream Dancing was 2017. That's the last one I can recall. But either way, it's it's produced some nice fillies that have come out of here. Again, reminding everybody, an Oaks is a race uh, restricted to three-year-old fillies. And... uh, I, my notes on this, Jay, are this race is wide open. 
No, I agree. I mean, uh, the prep for this was the San Clemente. The horse who won that came out of the war heroin, came out of that race with a with an injury that's kept her sideline. And Ollie's Candy uh, suffered her first defeat in that race, but she might have been best. She had a really wide trip, and so she'll be very. I would think she'd be one of the top contenders in the Oaks on Saturday. That's a race that's going to go off two races before the Pacific Classic. You've got Paved and Fatale Bear who are returning. Uh, to California after running in the Belmont Oaks uh, on, on the grass back in, at Belmont Park in their last start. Uh, and there's a horse in here that I think has got a decent chance at a price, uh, Animosity, who's drawn on the outside, who uh, came with a big rush uh, in the San Clemente after getting off poorly. She's usually kind of forwardly placed, and she just fell out of the, the back of the bus that, uh, that day, but she really was motoring at the end of it, and I think the mile and an eighth should suit her. Yeah, you know, in my notes, are very similar in that uh, animosity, you know, in a 13-horse field, which we don't see a whole lot of these days, uh, was in the 13th spot pretty much to the to the turn going into the stretch and still only got beat two and a half lengths. And Ollie's Candy got parked out in that unlucky 13 hole. And I think that might have attributed to the fact that it uh, didn't make the lead that she was more comfortable with in her uh, three straight wins early in her career. Uh, and again, I love Candy Ride. We talked about him or alluded to him earlier in the show. Um, you know, certainly looks like uh, a, a filly with a future. So both of them had, I think, uh, very similar running lines. They were very quick in their first three races and successful. And then, um, you know, just, just had a bad lad out bad last out in the San Clemente. So I, I definitely see, uh, you know, some uh, some similarities in them. I, I have no odds in front of me. Um, but I'm trying to think uh, this. We, we got a shipper coming in from Arlington that had been racing in France, trained by Grand Motion, no stranger and a great turf. And here's another one that came from absolutely out of the wind to win the hot tooth stakes up on uh, – uh, Arlington Million Day, I believe it was, and uh, and then the horse that you already mentioned, uh, Paved, who was strictly a, a West Coaster, shipped into Belmont, and another one that just got shoved to the back. So I, I just think Animosity, uh, Paved, and Ollie's Candy, you can kind of put a line through their last races, and after that, you're still left scratching your head. No, it's, it's a wide-open race. And so you mentioned of Motions, Colonia, like you said, she won her last start. That was that uh, Arlington Million Prep Day back in July. The, the Million card was just last weekend. And that was her first race in this country. And the filly who ran uh, second to her came back and won, a must, I think it was yesterday at Belmont Park. So the form of that race, or, not Belmont Park, Saratoga. So the form of that race is, uh, has certainly been uh, been franked by, by that performance. So, I mean, you could. It's really going to come down, John, to trips. It was trips that mattered in the San Clemente, and it's what cost Ollie's Candy perhaps a, a victory. And it's going to be trips that matter here. Whoever they're all pretty evenly matched, and whoever can get a clean trip will will, will win. And whoever gets parked wide or stopped is going to is going to be in trouble because there's really not a whole lot of margin for error when they're this closely matched. 
Well, you said it. This is one I'm either going to have to get a buddy to go in and <laughs> go real deep on or just kind of sit back and watch and enjoy what happens because there's a couple others even there that could upset the field in, in, in the Del Mar Oaks. Well, um, you know, don't want to ignore a uh, grade two horse a race on the turf, and that's the Del Mar Handicap. Quarter million dollars up for grabs here. And, and again, I think uh, like we've been talking in the Oaks, uh, there, there's no huge standout in my mind in here. Is there in yours? No, not really. I mean, the, the, the horse that's really kind of the big question is it's in the post, who's a pretty consistent horse, but he, he just didn't fire at all last time, and that's not like him. Uh, so I'm looking to see him bounce back uh, and run a better race uh, in here. You know, I actually love Sugar as a horse that I really have liked over the years. I just think he's kind of getting a little long in the in the tooth right now. Um, so, you know, uh, Cashman is a horse that's coming in from Europe that I know Neil Drysdale thinks has quite a bit of ability, but he drew he drew wide in here. Uh, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks uh, in, in this race. Uh, you know, fashion business certainly can do better than he did last time, and he's got the right rider in Pratt to try and overcome that that wide draw. But, you know, that's what's going to make this card so great. I mean, that's the first leg of the pick six on Saturday is this 12-horse, wide-open, mile-and-three-eighths grass race. I should probably know this, but are they seeding that pick six pretty good? No, but it is a mandatory payout. Aha! Very interesting. They're having a mandatory payout day that day, so... Um, what, whether there's a carryover or not, there, it all goes uh, that day. So uh, that that usually means a, a bigger than normal pool because everybody knows even if it's a there, there's no risk of it carrying over because it's basically a handicapping contest. Whoever does the best wins. You know, it's, it's, even if nobody has six, it's not like it's going to carry. If, if you're good enough to have five on a day when nobody has six and it's a mandatory payout, you're you're going to win. So um, and that usually emboldens people to. Who sometimes might sit on the sidelines to to dive in, and it usually emboldens people to who usually play to play uh, at, at a higher level. I I like that term, so I I can say, look, I'm not spending all of my money. I'm just emboldened to <laughs> <laughs> to bet this race. Exactly. You know, it just sounds so much classier than, hey, man, I, I'm betting my last two bucks on this pick six. I am emboldened exactly. to take part in this pick six. I, I sound like more of a hero than a down-and-outer. Right, exactly. I'm going <laughs> to put that in my litany, Jay Pridman. Thanks a lot. Well, a- as always, I uh, love reading uh, y- your writing, uh, and I greatly appreciate you being on the show. Uh, it- it- it's like... Uh, well, for lack of a better term, wearing an old shoe. It's just There's a comfort zone there, Jay Priven, and I love it. Well, John, it's always great being on your show. I appreciate you asking, and uh, I'll look forward to catching up with you maybe as we get closer to the Breeders' Cup or something like that. You are right about that, Jay. You will be on my list of guys to have on the show. Thanks a million for joining us tonight. All right, pal. My pleasure.
All right. That was a multi-award winning writer, Jay Privman, joining us here. Andrew Champagne, he was a breath of fresh air. And uh, I think you're going to hear him back on the airwaves, uh, probably before the Saratoga meets out. The guy really knows his stuff. I uh, want to thank uh, Josh by gosh, uh, my producer, for putting up with me and uh, my snide remarks during the show. And I want to thank you, most of all, the listeners of Winning Ponies. And we want to remind you that if you've got a buddy that missed the show that's going to be betting at Saratoga or Del Mar this week, tell him to tune into our podcast. Okay? All right. Had a great show. Had a great night. Hope everyone's doing wonderful. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.